Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andrei Degler. In our today's episode, I would like to play you back an interview with Olivier Payet, the CEO and co-founder at Aircall, the self-proclaimed phone system for modern business. Aircall has recently become a unicorn, raising 120 million US dollars in funding. So let's check out this one together. Oh, Olivier, uh, thanks for uh, joining. Thanks for taking the time to talk today. And uh, if we could start uh, with you just talking about yourself first before we move on to the company. So what is it that you had been doing before uh, founding Aircall and what's your background like? Okay, so I started being a strategy consultant in Belgium uh, at BCG. Spent about seven years there. And then I got tired of making slides. I wanted to run an actual business. So I went to the steel making industry. So I went to run factories in Spain, uh, so still making factories, enjoy that pretty much. Uh, but I was part of a very large group, about 300,000 people. Again, I got tired of that and I felt, can I build something that's a bit more my own, where the culture is, culture I can shape and, and like. Uh, and that's how I got started on Aircall. So it's really the curiosity and the interest of creating something on my own. And then I reconnected with a bunch of people. And that's how we brainstormed about phone systems and how bad they were at the time and how big the opportunity was to do something great. So, and when was that? That was late 2013, early 2014. Yeah. Right. And did you have any background in uh, like uh, phone systems, uh, call centers, anything like that at the time? Um, no, to be honest, not really. <laughs> uh, when I was at BCG, I was kind of the, one of the experts of the telecom practice. Uh, in the consulting firm in Europe. So I worked for carriers, but like big old-style carriers. So I liked the space a little bit, but I had no no relevant experience, really. <laughs> right. So what was the problem that, that, that you identified? Uh, what, uh, what did uh, come up in those uh, brainstorms? Well, the core problem was that phone systems had been built like 20 years ago, like in the VOIP wave, and they were cheap, but they were a commodity. And what we felt with my co-founders is it's still what you, you know, what you discuss over the phone, what you discuss with your customers or partners or prospects. It's super interesting. It's a, it's a lot of dark information, but how can we leverage that information? How can, we, how can we build a software that helps our customers leverage that information? So really going away from, okay, I dial, type a number, I pick up the phone, I talk, I hang up, and it's gone. And then it's in my mind. We said, no, that should be easy to share. All the, all the content of a conversation should be shareable, should be connected to all the other data, all the other sources of information we have as a company. So that's how we, we started. So, so the really day one, we built Aircall as a phone system that's kind of integration-oriented. We connect Aircall to any other tool and data source you have in your company. Your like segments, your Salesforce, your, CR, your CRM, your help desk, your Slack, your Teams. And then we surface all that data so that when, Andre, when you call me, then I want to know everything about you. Who did you talk to before? Mm -hmm. Did you purchase something? Uh, are you a VIP client? And I want to be able to edit that during the call on Aircall. That was the initial idea. Interesting. And uh, how, uh, how has it changed? You're saying that it was initial idea, so is it different now? Well, I think what has changed a little bit is we moved from a very broad vision, which is changing the way people use the phone at large. You, me, anybody. And we still want to accomplish that. But then very early on, we felt, okay, that's a very big vision. How do we just narrow down on a specific use case? And we narrow down on support, right? And we felt support teams, they really need that information. They really need to delight their customers and we can help them here. And so the first part of the product we built was designed for support teams. So connecting with Zendesk and all, this, all the help desk softwares, 
right? And then once once we did that, then we said now sales teams need same kind of value, right? So if I'm prospecting Andre, I want to know everything about Andre. I want to know his LinkedIn. I want to know if I, we have mutual connections. I get some icebreakers. I want to know the, the weather, maybe where you live, so I can just start a conversation or the, the soccer results just to get started. And so we expanded into sales, and now we're expanding into HR and, and, and more verticals. So we took a stance of saying, let's not build something too broad, just narrow down, and now we're executing on our vision and progressing and expanding to more teams within a company. Oh, this is really interesting. So uh, so I understand the point about the information about the customer, so the person calling you, so mm-hmm. you can uh, uh, pull it up and you can uh, see uh, everything about that person. But what about uh, the information uh, about the content of the call itself? Do you actually work uh, with that as well? Yeah, so that's that's very interesting because we have millions and millions of conversations that sit on our servers, right? And GDPR, you know, Compliance, you know, being being a constraint, but it's still something that that um, that we can still further leverage. We didn't focus on that at the beginning. So, beginning, we focused on integration, on creating a software that can be deployed in seconds, very easily, and and just you know much easier to run than any other phone system. And now this year, and with this funding, it's really the moment where we we're investing there. So. Today, you can on air call, you can get all the recordings, and you can get some simple transcription. But now we're investing in the team right now. During summer, we built the first teams of about 10 people that is going to extract insights from these conversations. So automatically tag conversation on saying, okay, this conversation was actually successful, not successful. Or this conversation was about pricing or logistics. And so you can really get a view on what are the topics I'm discussing with my customers. But we didn't feel the need to go into this too early. We felt the technology wasn't that ready. So... Three, four years back, we looked at technologies from Google, Amazon for transcription, and we felt it was not that, not that relevant. And now is the time where we felt this year and for the following years, we can build on good technology and start getting inside the conversations. Are you building something uh, from scratch or are you actually taking an existing technology? We're actually building from scratch. Oh, wow. So yeah, we started off over the past few months looking at uh, available third-party APIs, and they're good to start with. But we have so much data, so much information that we can build our own models and we get better results if we read. I mean, we don't, we don't build the whole technology ourselves, right? We use available open technologies, but then we build the data models so that we train our engines so that they get better and better based on the data we have internally at Echo. Right. Now, this, this is a really interesting topic and a, a very big one, I suppose. And since you already mentioned uh, the latest uh, funding round, let's uh, talk a little bit about that. So congratulations. You're, as far as I understand, the 16th uh, French unicorn, as it was uh, put in uh, one of the um, uh, pieces that uh, covered. So you raised 120 million US dollars. Uh, and across all the funding rounds, you've raised 226 million dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Why do you need so much money? What is it for? <laughs> well... It, that's always a good question. Why so much money? But I mean, what we have is a huge ambition, that's for sure. We know we're in a very large space, right? All the cloud communication space is boiling. All the companies, especially during COVID or since COVID, moving to more digitalized cloud-based solutions. And all the companies need to reinforce the link with their customers. And, and using Aircall is a way to reinforce this link. So now, for me, the, the main reason for, for making that round, closing that round, is that we don't want to play small. We don't want to be a niche player specialized in, either in Europe or in certain use cases. We want to be the equals of RingCentral, Zoom, 
Amazon is getting in the space. We have really big dogs coming to the space, and we want to we want to become one of the leaders. So we raise a lot of money because we want to take a significant chunk of this market, and we want to be a self-standing company. So that's the main the main reason avoiding being cornered as a niche player and ending up being acquired by one of the larger folks. Right now, that's a that's a great uh, great motivation, I suppose. And uh, as things stand right now, uh, are you mostly uh, focused on Europe? Have you been mostly focused on Europe so far? No, 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 no. We started off in Europe, but very early on, we built a, a U.S. presence. We have about thirty five percent of our customers and revenues in the U.S. We have about fifty percent in Europe, evenly spread between Germany, UK, France. And, and this is Spain and the rest of Europe. And then we have 15% in APAC, which is the next big thing we, we're building. We started building our Sydney office in January this year, and now we already have about 50 people there. So we want to have three gross regions. Again, our product works in any country. It's absolutely agnostic. It's over the top. It's cloud-based. So we certainly don't want to be a European player. We want to be strong in the US and in Europe and as well expanding to Asia. So I suppose you will need to uh, do a lot of adjustments uh, when uh, uh, you develop uh, uh, this uh, capability of uh, transcription and uh, insights uh, uh, from the calls because uh, like they are in different languages, right? Yes, exactly. So and, and right now, to be clear, we're starting on English and French. Of course, we have customers in Spanish, German, and I'm getting the Asian customers of different languages. So of course, we want to cover all the needs of all, all our customers. So that will require quite some investment, yeah. So, uh, since you already mentioned uh, the uh, the surge uh, in uh, popularity of uh, systems uh, like your call due to uh, the pandemic and lockdowns, so can you expand on that? Uh, how have things been going for your call since, say, March last year when uh, all this began? Yeah. So, interestingly, COVID has rather accelerated our trajectory. Last year, we reached our plan. We ended up a bit higher than our pre-COVID plan. But we got there in a very different fashion than what we thought. In a sense, when COVID came in in March, April, it was like a second trimester and a third trimester where most of our customers who are SMBs, most of them, right? Small, mid-sized companies, they got a bit worried. So we saw contraction, significant contraction from our customers. We didn't see customers churning, really, because we're providing a, a business-critical tool and customers more than ever need to, to Talk to their customers, but like typically travel customers, hospitality customers contracted from, for instance, 100 users to 10, of course, right? Uh, so this had a negative impact. On the flip side, we got a lot of tailwinds with new sales. So a lot of new customers suddenly realized their infrastructure, their stack, the software stack was not fit for the future. They said, okay, we've got this old VIA system, old Ring Central system. We can't work remote with that system. We can't follow what's happening. We can't monitor our teams. We can't track results as we used to do in the office pre-COVID. And so we saw a huge jump in new sales, especially in Q2, Q3 last year. And we still see that today, right? E-commerce, for instance, is obvious, right? E-commerce is booming. A lot of our customers are e-commerce. We connect very natively to Shopify and to other softwares. So it makes a lot of sense. And this has been booming. We're still waiting for travel hospitality to come back. But overall, we've revised our plan upwards and we've, we think our growth will continue to accelerate over the next few years. So did you have to make changes uh, to the product itself uh, since the call centers sort of became decentralized, uh, for lack of a better word? Luckily, our product is very well adapted to uh, remote work and work from home. 
It was not built for that, to be very honest. I would love to tell you that in 2014, I had the vision of COVID, but no, honestly, no, no. But the product is so flexible, so simple to use. I mean, you and I, you just, we could get started in, in seconds. You just, you know, send you, a, I send you an email, you download the app, you can use any device, you can work from anywhere. So we didn't have to change so much the product, but we had to change it was more our marketing, right? And, and really pushing more the messages of, you know, with future proof, you can really uh, transition to a hybrid organization or full remote organization using Echo. So it was easier to do than changing the whole product. Right. Yeah, that that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, what changed, if anything, at the competitive uh, landscape, let's say, in this industry? Um, especially since COVID, this, this industry has been uh, has been eating up a lot. Right. So you may have seen a few weeks back, Zoom acquired Five Nine for fifteen billion. That was a big move. Five Nine is a kind of contact center. They're not competing with us really because they're extremely enterprise, and we never see them on deals or barely see them. But there's clearly an increasing interest from all the players to offer what we used to call UCAS and CCAS. So simple telephony with contact center features. And we've seen that from RingCentral. RingCentral is a big player in our space. Historically, they do UCAS, right? They provide you like basic telephony. They've been investing in reinforcing the productivity features. So this is changing and this is driving a little bit of our roadmap. We want to be the best product for productivity for sales, support, HR, marketing teams. But what we've added over the past few months is more general telephony features because we see our customers saying, now we, we use Aircall for maybe 20, 30% of our teams. We want to use Aircall for the whole company. Can you provide us like a more competitive pricing for people who just make less calls, like one or two calls a day? And so we, we added that, right? And maybe to your point as well, something that was very interesting since COVID is the IT person, the IT director, the IT manager became someone much more important in the decision-making. No, before COVID, you know, we would sell to the head of sales, the head of customer experience. And IT was like, okay, fine. Now, all the IT came in and said, okay, we're going to buy software, but are they, uh, is this software ready for the future? Does that fit in my infrastructure? And so we, we need now to convince both the operational managers and as well the IT that Aircall is, is a trustable supplier. Uh, we, we respect data privacy, uh, we we adapt to uh, to all the change in the environment. So this has been a big change over the past eighteen months too. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. And a question that I had uh, before we mm -hmm. started this conversation, just out of curiosity, like in the like, how do you see the actual call center itself, like the support calls? How do you see them evolving? Are we ever going to sort of move to video calls to like support uh, or uh, salespeople or something like that? Because like historically, I, I have not, I don't think I have ever talked to a support agent uh, through video. It's always just the voice. So is it is it happening at all? Yeah. So. People, most people, when they, when they need to talk, they need to get help, they don't want to show their face, right? That, that's the they don't need to and they don't want to, right? So they want to keep some anonymity. So what's interesting is we built a prototype product of, of a video air call, right? And we tested that with our customers. There was some interest, but not so much. The interest is more about being able to screen share and say, okay, I have this problem. I want to show you my screen, right? I want to show you something, but I don't, mm -hmm. want, to mm -hmm. I don't, want, to, I don't need to see you, right? And as a customer, it doesn't help if you're my support person, seeing your face doesn't help much, right? So on the other side, what we see happening as a big trend is the, the need for a 360 view of the customer, right? So 
not so much video, but customers use multiple channels to, to engage with brands and, and companies, right? And they may send a ticket, they may send an email, they may send a chat, and they may get to a call. And that's where, when you get on the call, you want to know all the interactions the customer had, right? And that's why we, we fit in very nicely with other softwares who provide the chat or the ticketing system. And we just say, hey, Andre is calling, but here are the last three tickets of Andre, and this is you know the problems he had. So that maybe helps you be more relevant to Andre when, when he calls, right? So this is, is more an omni-channel trend in that sense, consolidating the 360 interactions with customers more than saying, okay, calls become video, right? At least for support, that's, that's more the trend we're seeing. Yeah, and uh, and speaking about the chats, uh, then there is the other side of uh, this uh, uh, question: Are chats actually eating up uh, the share of calls to uh, support centers? Well, there's a there's a fundamental trend that people like to write more, right? So there's voice is not a fast growing market for sure. Now, mm. uh, so yes, there's a transition. But it remains a huge market, and the, let's say the disruption potential we have is upgrading this entire huge market and making each voice interaction more fruitful. You still turn to a live conversation when you have an emergency, or when you have a complex interactive problem. And it's, it's an interesting product we built with Intercom. From, I'm sure you, you're familiar with Intercom. They, they have a fantastic chat product. And, and we know them very well. And they turned to us 18 months ago and they said, hey, sometimes the, the chat gets crazy. And we're putting a lot of AI in the chat, but the customer gets crazy because it's not getting what he wants. Can you build a feature where I have a button where I can switch to a live call? And we build that for them, called Air Call Now for Intercom. And so while you're on Intercom, you say, okay, enough. I want to talk because I want to solve this problem live with a human. And automatically, Aircall opens two virtual apps. And then you have the conversation, you solve the problem, and then you can come back to the chat. So we, we still see a lot of complementarity of those two channels, although it's fair to say that the volume of chats is increasing much faster than the volume of calls, right? Yeah, that's quite neat. That's quite interesting. So uh, to, wrap, uh, to wrap this up, I also wanted to uh, talk about, say, a bigger picture. As I mentioned, you are the French unicorn number 16, uh, uh, as, it, as it turns out. Uh, what do you, what's your take generally on the French, uh, French ecosystem? How has it been for you as an entrepreneur, the, uh, the journey, uh, let's say, of the company uh, through, uh, through the time in France? And a lot has changed in France since you, uh, since you founded the company. How, how did you see it from the inside? Um. In, in the past seven years, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's been really a massive change. I think, honestly, reaching whatever you call it, a vanity unicorn status today, it's very <laughs> different from doing it seven years ago, I feel, right? And when we started, I guess, as many entrepreneurs, you know, think, they think, hey, can we build this unicorn? And then we got there, like this year, and we felt, this is just a step in the journey. It's by no means is it an accomplishment or is something big, uh, because at some point I think this summer you had one new unicorn a week, honestly, or every two weeks. So yeah. not to say it's 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 easy to do. It is not, but the SaaS is eating the world, right? So the the, the markets become larger and larger, and so in, in almost all vertical markets now you can build a kind of unicorn player if you come with a disruptive technology and you execute properly. So this is something that was really not imaginable seven years ago, right? Where you had maybe a handful of unicorns was like blah, blah, car was the, was the one for like five or six years was the only one, right? And now you have in almost all industries uh, from fintech to communications, you know, ad tech, you have, you have kind of unicorn status. So I feel the ecosystem has, has grown tremendously as well. The maturity of the, 
as we said, the French culture has grown tremendously. I mean, the the, the entrepreneur friendliness. Uh, I see that from uh, from uh, investors, for instance. I feel the investors now are, are much more modern, mature in France, much closer to the U.S. standards than they were seven years ago when it was still it was still a lot of risk adversity. I remember some investors asking me for super detailed spreadsheets, and you're like, "Come on, we're super early stage. I mean, we have 20 customers. What spreadsheet do you want?" <laughs> uh, well, U.S. U.S. VCs were much more okay. I believe in you. Believe in the idea, the market. Go for it. And so this for me is a. I think in seven years we've kind of progressed like a whole generation, especially in France, probably in Europe as well. Uh, same same trend in Germany, UK at least. Right. Yeah. No, that's great to hear. Uh, that's uh, something uh, we uh, at uh, Tech you see as well. The European uh, ecosystem maturing a lot, and the French ecosystem in particular. Uh, so, uh, so much stuff really happening. Like, uh, and uh, so many new stories uh, coming from that direction. Anyway, uh, Olivier, we are almost at the end of it. So, and uh, the last thing I wanted to ask is whether you yourself uh, wanted to add anything, uh, something that I didn't ask, something that you would like to uh, tell about anything really. Maybe the one thing, if you can share to uh, to your listeners, I think it, it takes everybody to build this European ecosystem. I think I'm very excited, and we come to a to a stage at Aircall where we, as everybody says, we're still at the beginning. But I'm happy to uh, to give back and help others. So if uh, if there is a way for people listening to this podcast who want to get more inspiration and where I can be helpful, feel free to reach out to me. You feel you can share my uh, my direct email address somewhere in the podcast, and uh, this is something I like more and more is helping the next generation of entrepreneurs, building next unicorns, and being even more aggressive and ambitious than we've been uh, at Apple in the past seven years. And that's my only comment here. <laughs> this is brilliant, Olivier. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for joining us uh, once again, and uh, good luck uh, with uh, your call and everything you're doing. Thank you, Andre. Thanks for your time. And this is it for today's episode of Tech EU Podcast. Big thanks to Olivier for joining the show and big thanks to you for listening. If you want indeed to reach out to talk to Olivier and ask for his help and advice, you can find his email address in the show notes. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to podcasts. And if that place happens to have a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Send them by email to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Daigler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy your week. Bye-bye.